third down call here for Northern Illinois. Bowers throws, same spot, this time he hooks up with Robinson. That is an NIU first down. Ball is loose, picked up by Eastern Michigan, and the Eagles are gonna try and turn it back the other way. And EMU is gonna score the touchdown on the fumble return. The Huskies fought the final whistle against Eastern Michigan, but fell to the Eagles 41 to 33 on Saturday and closed their season out at a winless 0-6. Now the focus for NIU turns away from the dreadful season and towards the offseason, where they hope recruiting and workouts will help improve the team. That all started with signing day this past Wednesday. Hey everyone, this is James Krause with Mike Knapp joining you for the final edition this season of the Red Black Football Podcast. And Mike, a uh, lot of news after the game to talk about, but I guess first we should really hop into this EMU game, a 41-33 loss on Saturday on the road. Oh, you know, the, the good thing was they scored 33 points, which is uh, the most they had scored uh, all season. Um, the bad was, again, some second-half mistakes, and they gave up 41 points. So, uh, you know, a little bit of, of uh, good stuff to look forward to for the guys that are coming back next year. But, um, yeah, just uh, to, to go winless during the season uh, is tough on everybody. And, and so hopefully uh, this is in their rear view now, and they're looking forward towards 2021 and what should be a much better team uh, when the season rolls around next, next fall. It was maybe among the more exciting games because it really felt down the stretch that NIU had a chance to go win it. Uh, they're down 20 or 41 to 24 with about four minutes left. Uh, bad snap, uh, a few bad snaps by Eastern Michigan set up a sack for a safety by Michael Kennedy. NIU gets it. Bowers really works his way down the field. They get a touchdown. They don't come up with the onside, but they work to get another drive late. They're kind of moving on that drive, and then a penalty comes up from a ticky-tack sort of play between Richie and uh, another one of the cornerbacks in terms of an unsportsmanlike call. And that takes 10 seconds. It moves them back 15 yards, and it really puts them in a really tough position. It, what from the second half do you think can be pointed out as that was something that maybe did NIU in to prevent them from completing this comeback that really looked like they were on in a, a chaotic second half? Well, there are a couple of turnovers and again, that, that Tyrese Ritchie penalty. And you know, what's really unfortunate about that is, yeah, it was ticky tack. Um, I, I thought uh, the guy he, you know, pushed, put on an Oscar winning performance to fall on the ground <laughs> and draw a flag. But what's really unfortunate is, is that's how Tyrese Ritchie finishes his season and, People are talking about that as opposed to the fact the guy made himself an all first team Mac player. And, uh, you know, I assume he's going to come back next year and be probably maybe one of the better receivers in the conference. So um, it's really unfortunate for that. It's really hard to point out and say one thing. I mean, um, you know, scoring is great, but you also got to stop them from scoring. And that was a problem, of course, the last two weeks of the season when you, when you saw, um, you know, what Toledo did um, a couple weeks ago as well. But um, yeah, it, it was just a really unfortunate way to go out, um, especially had there not been that penalty, I don't know if they would have gotten a shot at the end zone, but 
the penalty plus the 10 second runoff. And now you're down to, you know, one play and when they could have set themselves up for, um, you know, manageable Hail Mary from inside, say 40 yards or something like that. So, um, you know, just, yeah, I, I think the, I think the final stretch down there uh, towards the end of the game was just a microcosm of what the season was, was really like for the team. It, it's really strange the second half offensively because they tried to do the thing where Bowers was struggling a little bit. And so they moved in with Fletcher and Fletcher was getting it a little bit. And, but like there seemed to be no real consistency. And that led to what I think was the drop-off point for them where this game was honestly way out of reach. And I, uh, EMU went up 41, 24 with about 10 minutes left. And then they NIU had a six minute drive that they didn't score on. I mean, when you're down that late, every drive matters. And if you're going to have a drive that doesn't go anywhere and it's going to at least set you up, it set them up in decent field position uh, thanks to a few EMU mistakes. But right. you got to get points on that, if, whether it's a field goal, whether it's a touchdown, whether it's something. I mean, they score on that drive and everything else happens late in the game. And we're talking about NIU having to drive for a field goal and win. And that, right. I think, sets them up in a way better position. The fumble on the first drive of the second half also, uh, we mentioned turnovers. That was a touchdown return, and it was another one that some people looked at and said, hey, that doesn't happen. This is a win for NIU maybe, depending on what happens on the drive. It seems to be the theme of the year. This is a team that feels better than 0-6 at the end of the season. But their mistakes, you know, it's them shooting themselves in the foot a lot. And and I remember Daniel Crawford said as much, there's an offense that really just dug themselves their own graves a lot this year. Yeah, and, you know, I was really, admittedly, I was pretty conflicted um, about that six-minute drive just because, you know, the clock was ticking and everything. But, man, that was a heck of a drive, you know, especially knowing – and, and what I found the positive out of that was knowing that NIU wasn't going to throw the ball, that they were just going to, they were lining up and they were just running it down EMU's throat and they were succeeding, you know, because with Fletcher not in the game, I, I don't understand um, why they really didn't get him to uh, come out and throw the ball. But I, lo- I love that drive. And I'm like, you know what, I, you know, that was a heck of a drive to put together it's just unfortunate that they were in the position where they had to score more quickly than that. But it was like, man, I, 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 I was, like I said, I was conflicted because that was one heck of a drive when you, when you consider that they were just lining up and just uh, moving the ball down the field uh, with the running game, which is what Thomas Samick wants to do. And that was, that was a really cool drive. It's just unfortunate that it needed to go a lot faster if they wanted a real chance to win the game. Fletcher, I think, on that last drive only lined up to pass one time, and he was sitting in the pocket, and he had no time. He got a, There was a rush from the left side, and he got clobbered immediately. Right. Uh, Hammock talked about he had a wrist injury, and we'll see him throw probably more next year if he's involved with the program. Uh, speaking of guys who are going to be returning next year, Kyle Pugh said after the game that he's going to be back. He still feels he has something to prove, and he gets that with a year of eligibility uh, due to COVID. Uh, Daniel Crawford said he's kind of up in the air on it. We haven't heard from Ross Bowers. Those are the other sixth-year seniors that may be into seven-year seniors if they all return. How big of a deal do you think it's going to be for NIU 
not just in roster buildup, but for, for these guys to come back for another year, hopefully a full year to teach uh, the freshmen that were here this year and the, and the class that's coming up. Well, it's just important that the, the 2020 season already has started for these guys. And so to get those experienced guys working with the younger guys and, you know, there's probably going to be a handful of kids that are kind of come in that are going to graduate um, in December and, and come in as, uh, you know, uh, spring uh, as freshmen in the spring. So they're there for, for workouts and spring ball and what have you. So, you know, to have those guys, um, you know, working and getting those reps in and showing these guys how it's done is a big deal. And as far as a guy like Pew goes, I mean, he was the the glue that held that defense together when he was playing. They were a different unit um, for the most part. And so, uh, you know, just having him and his experience, I mean, when you're talking about a guy who's coming into his seventh year in a program, he's almost like an assistant coach. Um, out on the he, field, he may with, he may have a instant in if in that case after he's done playing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I you know he's a he's a good guy. He's a good uh, person to have with the program. And if they asked him to to uh, stick around, I I you know think he would be an asset uh, you know for the coaching staff as well. But but yeah, you can't uh, you know you can't stress how important these next several months are going to be with these young players and how much they're going to, uh, you know, grow up. I mean, you know, we've all been college freshmen and, um, you know, that's a tough adjustment as it is um, probably a tougher adjustment having to go through COVID. And, and we're finding now when you look around the country and some of these uh, schools that are pulling out of bowl games and just saying, you know what, we want to be done. You know, we're, we're tired of the stress. We're tired of, uh, you know, COVID tests four days a week. We're just tired and want to be done. And so, um, you know, we, you can't really uh, discount the effect that had on some of the, the younger players. And so to get them more and more comfortable and, and hopefully um, by summertime, you know, it'll be back to a little bit more of a normal college atmosphere and everything like that for for everybody, well, except for me, I'm graduating. But, uh, but, uh, but for these guys, I mean, it, it has been it's been hard, and it was probably hard to go zero and six. And so, um, you know, I think that just getting the chance to, you know, start some workouts and and get a little more comfortable with with what everybody's doing and get ready for next year because I mean. Uh, you know, if we're looking ahead, if there's any, if there aren't any schedule changes, um, their non-conference schedule is going to be difficult. The MAC looks like they're, it's going to be just as tough next year as it was this year. So, uh, you know, I mean, they have really got to keep the keep things rolling and keep the program going all the way through these next few months to uh, be ready to go next fall. And Pew returning means he's going to get to, as I mentioned coach up a new class of players let me go through uh sort of the the ins and outs of this new class of uh 2021 five illinois recruits three from georgia two from kansas wisconsin nebraska and iowa one from the states of michigan massachusetts indiana new jersey and texas as well as one by way of canada four linebackers four cornerbacks four defensive linemen four offensive linemen two running backs two wide receivers a quarterback and a tight end. Uh, you got to look over this list, I'm assuming, 
of signees. I was at the press conference yesterday. Who's someone that stands out to you from among this group? Well, um, you know, of course it's, uh, you know, Ontario Brown, a running back from Georgia, decommitted from uh, University of South Carolina. So he, he's an SEC recruit. And so to get somebody at that level, I think last week we talked about him and, and he's the fifth, uh, uh, fifth rated running back out of the state of Georgia. So to get a guy like that, now that's somebody, and I know we talked about, um, especially in the non-power five level that you really have to develop um, players and you can't expect a lot from uh, true freshmen, but I think this is a guy that's going to come in and be ready. And, you know, we already have, have seen what Harrison Whaley can do. So, I mean, if, if we can get that running game going with, with Whaley and, and uh, Collins and, you know, and Brown and, and just, uh, you know, keep moving those guys in and out of the game and, and giving them carries and getting the running game established. And if Fletcher's the quarterback, this is, this is building the team in Thomas Hammock's image. And um, that's what's going to, you know, need to happen for this team to be, uh, to be successful down the road for him. I'll, I, I like to think I'll take credit for Antonio Brown and, and noticing him before other people, but maybe I'm wrong on that. And maybe be, he's been on other people's radars for a while. <laughs> a guy that stood out uh, that, from this class to me, uh, just looking at him on film is the sole quarterback of the group, uh, Ethan Hampton. He seems to be what NIU needs at quarterback, which is a guy who can be mobile uh, and navigate uh, the blitz and things like that and still be able to throw downfield. Uh, from stuff I've seen on tape, he deals with pressure very well. He, he's got a presence in the pocket, uh, doesn't uh, really deal with a lot of issues when he's dealing with blitz straight up. And when he has to navigate it, uh, he's also pretty good, and he's made some pretty good decisions in terms of that. Comes from Aurora Christian, which made the playoffs three years in a row, and also – two players from the same school, Wichita Northwest in Kansas, who went to back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back state championship games. That's Watu uh, Colomo, the cornerback, and just trying to find here Julius Bolden, another running back, the other running back in this class. Those are the guys uh, to really look out for. And I think it's interesting that they're getting these guys from all over the place. I think a lot of schools maybe in the Mac or maybe even, you know, sort of D2 or FCS level schools uh, stay within their state a lot. Illinois, I mean, they've only got a little bit more than Georgia, which is, it seems to be a pipeline that they've opened up in recent years. Mm -hmm. uh, they're getting a good spread of guys from around the Midwest. They're getting guys from uh, who've played in Florida this year. And also just, uh, it'll be exciting for next year, seeing how good some of these players are already coming in, considering how much playing time a, a decent portion of freshmen got this past year. Yeah, and another name I want to I bring up just because um, it, it's a local, uh, you know, I lived in Aurora for a long time and, and covered football there for a long time. And so another uh, local kid, uh, Trey Erweiler from um, Batavia, I uh, got to know his dad, Gary, really well over the years. He, he built a pretty good program up at uh, Mooseheart uh, and they went to the state playoffs several times and everything. And a uh, great guy, um, does a lot for Mooseheart and that community there. So, you know, good things happen to good people and, um, you know, glad to see 
Uh, you know, it, it, NIU's done well when bringing some players from, you know, Batavia, Caneland, you know, some of the players that they've brought from local high schools uh, have really worked out. So, um, you know, it, in this day and age, in order to win, you have to have um, a national recruiting program. But it's also cool to, to see, um, you know, some kids from local schools like Aurora Christian or Batavia, uh, the kids who, you know, are come from DeKalb or, or Sycamore or whatever, you know. So it's great to, to see, uh, you know, that local flavor in there as well. And hopefully um, those guys can come in and make an impact. Really quickly, before we move into the close of the show, give me one or, or two th- expectations you have for next year for the NIU program, given just now. Obviously, a lot can change in a few months, but what do you think the expectations are for 2021, given uh, what this team has? I, it's going to sound crazy. I think, that, I think they will have a winning record. Um, you know, like I said, their, their non-conference slate is tough. I mean, uh, to go to Georgia Tech, to go to the big house up in Michigan, uh, I'm not sure who else is on there for their non-cons. Uh, the Mac, like I said, is, is going to be uh, going to be tough again. So, you know, I really think that maybe um, a good indicator of this team is maybe a 500 record, maybe a little above. Maybe they'd win enough games, get to seven and five and maybe make it to uh, to a bowl game. I think the big leap in this program is going to be two years from now. You know, when you have mm-hmm. a couple more recruiting classes, when you have some of these experienced players, because if you're bringing back 11 guys on defense next year, chances are they're so young, you're bringing back seven or eight guys on defense the year after. And so, um, and you look at it, they're building up on their defensive line, building up on their offensive line, getting more depth. Um, And again, like I said, building this team in, uh, you know, Thomas Hammock's image. and, And that's what, uh, they need to do. And, and I wrote that uh, um, editorial in, in the Northern Star that I, I do believe that this will be a 10-win team in two years. Um, I, I believe in what they're trying to build. And, uh, you know, and I can, I can say this now that the football season's over and um, I'm no longer coming, covering the team, so I don't have to be, um, you know, I don't have to be objective anymore. But um, I really like this coaching staff. Um, I think Thomas Hammock is a true coach. He's a true man of integrity. I think he is building something that um, as fans, you know, we can really be proud of. And you want to get back to the, the early 2010s, um, you know, he, with this change in leadership, you had to go through a couple of bad seasons. But I think those 10 win seasons that were happening eight, nine, 10 years ago, I think are going to happen uh, here down the road in the future with the, this program and this coach. It, it'll be a matter of when it comes down to uh, action time again, can they get the wins they need to and maybe pull out a few that they're not supposed to. And I think mm-hmm. there's a team that's capable of pulling out some upsets uh, that they, they maybe don't have uh, in the bag like they did in years prior. Uh, you look at teams like Toledo that they should have chances of beating mm-hmm. guys like teams like Eastern Michigan, where it felt like this is going to be their best chance to win, but they didn't quite have all the pieces going in next year and beating them. A uh, team like Central Michigan challenging a team like Western Michigan this year makes me think that they're going to challenge Western a lot the next two years. 
Uh, so it'll be up to that. And I think I could agree with you that in two years, there's going to be a team that at the very least is going to be uh, uh, back at, uh, near the top of the Mid-American Conference standings. Before we uh, close out the show, here's a quick three and out. First, NIU had eight players earn Mid-American Conference honors this past week, most namely wide receiver Tyrese Ritchie, who was named to the first team All-Mac. Ritchie led the conference with 53 receptions this past season and finished third in receiving yards. Tight end Daniel Crawford, defensive tackle Weston Kramer, cornerback Jordan Gandy, and kick returner Trayvon Rudolph also received nods for the second team. Braden Patton, Kyle Pugh, and Devin Lafayette were named to the third team. Second, two players have already declared they will be entering the transfer portal from NIU. Defensive back J.D. Harris and wide receiver Michael Love both announced on Twitter this past week they intend to enter the transfer portal. The Huskies have added a transfer on Friday when Clint Rakovich, a running back from Western Illinois, announced his intention to join the team also on Twitter. And finally, the college football playoff rankings will be finalized on Sunday, with number one Alabama looking to end their season perfect with an SEC title win over Florida. Number four Ohio State hopes to do the same if they can win a Big Ten title match against Northwestern. And in the ACC, number three Clemson looks to redeem themselves from a loss earlier in the year without Heisman favorite Trevor Lawrence to number two Notre Dame. Really quick before we close out uh, the season and... Uh, the show for the year basically and not quite knowing whether we'll be back next year or at least if I'll be back next year Mike you are graduating and I wanted to take the time to, to thank you for being part of the podcast and part of the star uh, did you just finally did you have any kind of closing thoughts uh, on getting to cover NIU football these past two years well first of all it was great working with you um, you know one of the great things was when I um, you know, came into the, the newsroom at the Northern Star, just how welcome I felt from everybody. Um, obviously, I'm a little bit different uh, uh, a student than uh, people who normally work there, but, you know, I always felt welcomed. I always felt part of the group, and, um, and I still feel that to this day. Um, I love covering uh, NIU football. I mean, I, I, you know, did it a long time ago for for several years and um, I enjoyed doing it as a student. Um, I enjoyed the opportunity, which I didn't get when I was covering the team before, the chance to go on the road. And, and uh, you know, we didn't go on the road this year, but last year I followed them to uh, out to Nebraska and, and to that uh, awesome game in Toledo. And, and yeah, just being a part of the NIU family uh, has become a lot more special than I thought it would be. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, to being an alumni and um, maybe uh, buying season tickets and uh, supporting this team from the stands. But it was it was a great opportunity uh, these last two years to cover the team from the press box and and uh, and be involved in in uh, both at the Northern Star and with the football program. I, I couldn't have asked for more. I'll be honest with you from when I first heard about you, I was intimidated a little bit because it was like, here's comes a guy who's 15 and has got a ton of experience. And I didn't know a lot of, like I hadn't worked with a lot of people like that yet. Uh, but at the same time, you definitely came in and you had 
a dedication to covering this team like I did. And that's why I think we mesh well so quickly. And it's been a blast uh, working with you in the booth uh, uh, and, and on this podcast and in general, the past two years. Uh, and I hope uh, we can catch up again soon talking about NIU football or IndyCar or, or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. You know, you know, like I said, it, it was great to, to work with you. And at the end of the day, um, you know, I do this and, uh, you know, and I've done this for so long just because I love sports and um, I've never, you know, let myself forget that. And, and I've never gotten over um, the gratitude I feel to be able to do this. Um, you know, so many people uh, you know, grow up and, and want to do, uh, want to cover sports or want to talk about sports or want to, you know, and, and, um, you know, I, I've been privileged enough to have been able to do this for, um, a really long time. And, you know, like I said, you know, you and, and Jarrett Huff and, you know, everybody I work with, you guys have so much passion for what you do. And that really, um, inspired me because when I was going to college for the first time, uh, but I didn't really have much passion about anything um, except playing basketball and, and meeting girls. And so, um, you know, I think you guys really helped me uh, up my game and, and, you know, not only from a writing standpoint, but from a school standpoint, I, I think just being around you guys really energized me and, and I'm very, very appreciative of, you know, every opportunity that, that, uh, that we've had together over the last couple of years. Last thing, Mike who you got Friday in the Mac title game. <laughs> Buffalo. It's got Buffalo. Buffalo Let, right? Let's just, yeah, let's just, just, uh, you one know. Team, Jer- one team has Jared Patterson. The other does not. The does team not. with Jared Patterson will win this game probably. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, you talk about teams uh, getting off the bus running. Um, this is a team that legitimately does that. And so, uh, you know, I, 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 you know what I really deeply wish I really wish he would have such a massive game that, you know, he just gets a few Heisman votes. They might be fifth place votes. They might be whatever, but I'd love to see him just, uh, you know, mentioned in, in the Heisman picture, just to uh, even things out over, you know, right now, every Heisman candidate I've seen plays in the SEC, you know, and so I, it, I would love to see a, a Mac guy, uh, you know, just same as uh, Jordan Lynch and, you know, Garrett Wolf a few, uh, a few years back or shoot, right. that's almost, that's almost, Garrett Wolf's almost a generation ago. I should look at it that way, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, but just, man, you gotta love, you gotta love it when, when the Mac crashes any party and that that's, you know, they've done it in football. They've done it in basketball before just any opportunity the Mac has to crash the party. I'm all there for well, thank you again, Mike, for joining us these past two years. And thank you for listening this past season. We will see you in Atlanta uh, coming up next August. That's when NIU is going to have a chance to break this winless drought that they'll have, and they'll be hungrier than ever. We'll talk to you then. Until then, this is Mike Knapp and James Krause. Thank you for listening to the Red Black Football Podcast. The jungle, oh, the true as the sky, the husky that keeps the show.